You're listening to Art Affairs, episode number three. Today I'll be talking to Frank Gonzalez. So my name's Michael Faith, and this is Art Affairs. If this is your first time listening, thanks a ton for tuning in. Art Affairs is meant to give you a look at and into the new contemporary art community, featuring artists, gallerists, curators, printmakers, shining a spotlight on the human side of the wonderful work they do. You can dig through previous episodes complete with show notes at artaffairspodcast.com. And you can check out new episodes on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I'd be super grateful if you took a moment to rate and review the show. Seriously, it helps a ton. And of course, if you like what I'm doing here, be sure to subscribe. And you can always connect with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Art Affairs Podcast. Or on Twitter, it's at art underscore affairs. All right, so today's guest is Arizona native Frank Gonzalez. I actually met Frank for the first time uh, back in May of this year, 2019, when I was visiting Mesa uh, for Esau Andrews' show. Uh, Mesa being Esau's hometown uh, was where the show was at, at the museum there, Mesa Art Center. And Frank actually works as a preparator for that museum, which I had absolutely no idea. I had been following Frank's work for a while on Instagram, uh, and lo and behold, I ran into him at the show. He was preparing the show. He makes incredible artwork featuring all sorts of desert life, uh, desert plant life, usually paired with birds. Uh, of course, my passion for birds is how I found his work. Uh, but I know the desert plant life in particular is something he's really passionate about. We talk about that. We talk about growing up in Arizona. Uh, his time moving to Southern California, then to New York, and then back again, what he likes to call his hero's journey, and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Frank Gonzalez. Frank, thanks, brother, for coming on the show. I'm really glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I first met you uh, back in May when I was down in Mesa for Esau's show, and you work at the museum there, which I'd like to talk about a bit later. But what I think is interesting is you actually grew up not far from there, right? In Tempe. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was actually born in Mesa and then, uh, yeah, grew up in Tempe. And ironically, now I live in Mesa. Yeah, that's um and what was the what was your childhood like there? Did you have any siblings? No, I actually grew up an only child. Um I grew up with a cousin of mine who was an only child as well, so she was like my sister. Oh, nice. Uh, growing up. So but yeah, um it's funny um growing up a a, a single kid, you know, I I have these stories my parents would tell me that I'd I'd play with my toys and like put them away on my own and just put myself to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and they always, yeah, they always talk about that, like how quiet I was and like 
I don't know, just kind of did my own thing. <laughs> Where did you learn that from? Is it just natural? I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm just comfortable being alone. <laughs> Interesting. And what, what sort of work did your parents do? Uh, my dad uh, was a, a contractor for uh, an independent contractor doing uh, construction drywall. Um, and um, my mother worked at uh, Motorola. So she always worked the night shift. Mm. And so my dad worked during the day. And so, yeah, it, it worked out. I mean, they were kind of like two passing ships in the night, (laughs) but, but it was, it was great. You know, like I would spend my summers like on construction sites, helping my dad, he'd be giving me various tasks and, you know, I would be working a scissor lift when I was a kid. Oh, wow. (laughs) Sanding ceilings and stuff. (laughs) That doesn't sound safe at all. I know it was a different time, man. <laughs> right on. No, I, I hear you. Um, and I hear you were quite a, a jock in high school. You played sports, right? What sort of sports did you play? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, I did wrestling, uh, football and a little bit of track, but track was just shot put and stuff and just eating sunflower seeds. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of it was, um, a lot of the sports was pretty much, you know, to make my family happy mm. and stuff. And, um, my senior year in uh, in high school, I remember I was just so into my art classes that I told my parents, I'm like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, oh, well, you know, okay. So I remember walking into, uh, this was like, yeah, senior year, you know, varsity and all that. I walk into my coach's office after school one day and I'm like, I said, I have no future in this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I don't want to do football anymore. And he just kind of looked at me, just kind of shocked, like, uh, okay, okay. So I went and cleared out my locker. And people were like looking at me like, you just quit like that? Yeah, I'm, like, yeah. like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I want to do art. And, and so your parents were, were super supportive of that decision for you to pursue like a, a passion in art? Well, um, well, they definitely had their doubts, you know, of course. You know, um, but regardless, they were, they were super supportive of me. Um, their whole thing was just keep your nose out of trouble, Mm. you know, get the best grades you can get and we'll be good, you know? And I, I actually, I praise them for that, you know, because I was, you know, I was graffiti writer. And so my, my room was destroyed. Like (laughs) I, I would test out paint. I would write on the walls. People that would come over would you know, would, would write on the walls and this and that, you know, and it's funny. It wasn't until recently I was uh, talking to my wife about it and I realized I was making my own like sanctuary, my own chapel. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was like making my own space of art to dwell in, you know, I was living in it, you know, that's amazing. So you were painting, you were like tagging up your own walls in your house. Yeah. You know, my room, you know, the rest of the house was fine, but, uh, my room, yeah, was completely destroyed. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it wasn't destroyed, destroyed, but yeah, I mean, I was, we would write on it and this and that and stuff. And, you know, my parents weren't too happy about me taking off in the middle of the night to go, to go writing and stuff, you know, but my mommy still always be pissed, you know, saying, don't, you know, I don't want you out spraying, you know, don't be spraying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you were part of like a, 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 a actual graffiti crew, right? Tempe yeah. box crew, right? So mm-hmm. Tell me about that. How did that get started? How'd you get involved with those guys? Well, it was, um, it was some guys that I met, just some, some people that we had similar interests, you know, once I started getting into graffiti and writing and this and that and, and hip hop and, and whatnot. Um, 
we uh, we kind of came up with this idea of um, we want we didn't want to be just graffiti writers. We wanted to we wanted to represent the whole culture. You know, the four elements of hip hop. You know, with b boys, DJing, graffiti, and uh, MCing. And so we kind of create this created this crew called the Tempe Bronx, but we spelt it with a K instead of an X to kind of give to give homage to where the birthplace of hip hop was, you know, to the Bronx. And yeah, some people clowned us for it, but we got we got respect for it, you know what I mean? Because we 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 were cool with most crews and this and that, but we I don't know, we wanted to build this, you know, there was a lot of a lot of people in the crew that some were some were MCs, but then you know they dabbled in writing too and this and that, you know, and and I don't know, it was cool. Like every we would spend every Friday and Saturday night on this on on Sixth and Mill. Uh this this Mill Avenue was this little street down there by uh by the university. And we would um we would, you know, we'd have our, our mat out there and we writers, graffiti writers would come. They would show their black books and stuff. We'd we'd be b-boying out there on the corners. Like we were we were into it, man. Oh wow. Yeah. That was really that's a really cool experience, I'm sure. And was most of the art that you were creating for your graffiti like letter forms and some of the, the big tag pieces that mm-hmm. you, you would see? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was all it was all letters. Okay. You know, some characters, but mostly just trying to develop hand styles and trying to do burners. Very cool. What were your I mean, it sounds like this culture was was very influential to you. What were some of your other like early influences artistically? Um re- I don't I used to listen to a lot of reggae too. Um I remember in high school, um, I had another buddy of mine that I grew up with, like I knew since kindergarten. He had this uh, this trailer in the back of his house, and so we would we'd hang out and like it was like a little RV, you know. And so we'd hang out like on stay the night at his house, like on Friday nights, and we'd listen to this local radio station called Reggae Street, and we'd listen to reggae and just copy Looney Tunes characters and stuff. <laughs> and just it's so funny. It's like everything always involved. And when I think about it, everything, you know everything involved like drawing something yeah. something like that you know but um i do remember um at the local like at the corner of our street there was uh, a community center and this was in the 80s and i remember you know from then seeing the only time i saw real graffiti that wasn't cholo writing or anything was you know on beach street or break in or something like that and i remember some kids went out one night and just you know you wake up one one day and just you see this wall just bombed and you know it's all it's simple stuff, but a big Adidas shoe, big bubble letters, and this and that, and that pretty much changed. Like, wow, like that stuff real. Yeah, you know that turned me out, man. That's really cool. Um, yeah, another big influence was um, was like Thrasher magazine, or mm-hmm. looking at at skate magazines. You know, looking at all the graphics. I mean, God, you know the Santa Cruz, the Rob Roscoff, you know the Gator boards, like just. Oh man, I remember just ooing and eyeing. You know, my 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 goal in life was to have a Gons board. You know what I mean? But I ended up getting a Veriflex, but you know, heavy as hell, or you know, <laughs> or a SWAT meat special. Yes. Yeah, so, so were you into skateboarding as well? Was that a big part of your your childhood? Yeah, it was one of those things that you did as a kid. But then back in the '90s, I picked it up again. Mm. You know, and um, getting heavily into it. I mean, I was never. It was never good. I knew I was never going pro, but I did it for fun. You know, I mean, I, I've been skating again too, and um, it's different when you know when you're in your forties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta take more more care of yourself. 
Oh yeah, I have no problem with wearing pads, and <laughs> you know, and I mean, I don't even skate right. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I skate Mongo. I'm, you know, I skate quote unquote the wrong way, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't care. As long as you're having fun, man. As long as you're having a good time. Yeah, exactly. I roll around. You know, I can do my little pop shove-its and little grinds here off the coping. <laughs> I'm happy with that, dude. But you know, just doing a little shove it. You know, the fear is kind of there. So I remember I just took my son to the skate park last week and trying to practice a shove it. And you kind of, uh, you get a little scared. And, <laughs> what do you do? We roll your ankle. So now oh. I'm out for a week. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, that's, hurt. That sucks. Yeah. It hurts to fall when you're, when you're, uh, you know, in your mid forties. Hell yeah, man. So how, so after you left high school and, mm-hmm. and you had sort of decided that you want to pursue art as a career, yeah. Um, you started taking classes at the local community college, right? Mm-hmm. Did you feel that that was a, a valuable experience? Oh man, it was the best experience I ever had, man. Um, I first year I went to, um, I went to Phoenix community college just to take gen ed classes. And then, um, I en- ended up meeting some other friends, um, as time went on and, and, uh, actually as time went on as, you know, during that, during that first semester. And I heard about this one teacher, uh, at MCC in Mesa. And I heard there was kind of like a waiting list to get into his class because he, he taught figure drawing and figure painting. And so um, I transferred and I remember, yeah, I remember taking, taking uh, his, his class. His name was Jim Garrison. It was Jim Garrison, this other artist, or uh, this other instructor, um, Darlene Swain. And the rest is history, man. Like I exhausted every class that I could take from these, from these instructors. I mean, they gave the foundation of, you know, the first time I saw my instructor give a demo and see him create a figure right in front of my eyes with the, you know, like do a gesture drawing just right there. Yeah. I, it got me hooked, man. I was hooked. Yeah. And, and I, and from what I've read, he was actually uh, recognized your talent fairly early on and, and sort of encouraged you to develop that. Right. Yeah. 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 I definitely hold, hold that dear man. Um, it, it was great because I mean, our critiques were brutal. Like, you know, like anyone that's taking classes from this guy, you know, like understands it's like this little kind of cult following, I guess. Cause like we would, he would give demos and then, and, and, uh, you know, someone would record it on their VHS recorder and then we'd make copies of that and watch them on our own. But when it came down to like critiques, like you'd be scared to turn it. Like if you didn't do your, <laughs> your home assignment, like, you know, and then you would hear these past horror, you know, horror stories and stuff, but they weren't brutal to the point of, of like you would just get you know you'd get put down no it was all constructive criticism but it was yeah. like straight real you know so i remember the, when i went to art school finally and like sitting in one of the critiques and like just kind of being used to that environment i looked like the asshole in the class i was like <laughs> oh <laughs> whoops <laughs> you're like tearing everybody else down <laughs> yeah like saying oh you know this part's great but that foot man you got to work on that or like you know <laughs> <laughs> you know, because when you see figure drawings, you know, there's always this apprehension, apprehensiveness to, you know, to follow through with a hand or a foot just to make a mark, you know, and it's like, hey, this is great, but you got this floating figure like you better you better resolve that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great that you had somebody that was so, such a important uh, figure in your life artistically mm-hmm. yeah. that early on in your stage. It sounds like he was pretty instrumental to your your development and growth. Oh, for sure. Um, so then how did you ultimately, you, you ended up getting a scholarship to go to college in Laguna, right? 
Yeah. So how did, how did that come about? Um, I remember there was a portfolio days um, and my instructor encouraged me to, to, uh, to go to it. And I was a little apprehensive, but he was like, just go, you know, just go check it out, you know, because he suggested I go to art school. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't even think of going to art school. Like I'm, I'm Chicano. You don't, you don't leave your family. You know what I mean? You don't leave where you're from. You know, I mean, no one, I mean, no one in my family went to college. So it's like, you know, they're, they were just like, oh, you know, why don't you just stay here go to ASU, you know? So I, I went ahead and I went through it. I went to the, um, uh, to the portfolio days and showed my portfolio around. And I remember going, having my portfolio from a rep from art center going through it. And they're like, yeah, you're ready. And I thought, this is art center. Like that's where they breed just badass artists. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, um, I remember going to the table from the rep from, um, uh, Laguna and her name was Susan DeRosa. And she looked at it and she was just like, wow, like, this is great. You know? And like, she was enamored by it, you know, like, well, you know, you're actually, you're really ready. You know, you're a bit ahead of the curve, you know? And, Mm. and then I remember they offered me, she kept in contact and they offered me like a half red scholarship. And I was like, all right, I'm in it. Let's do it. And I had no idea where Laguna Beach was. <laughs> <laughs> All I knew it was California and it had the word beach in it. So I thought, I was so naive. I thought, this is going to be great. I could live in a little beach town and go to <laughs> art school. Like, this is cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, big awakening when I moved out there. But, you know. <laughs> was, was it hard to leave home? Because it sounds like you were really close, you know, to your family. And- yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit tough. But I was at that point where I was. I was, I was ready, man. I was so ready for adventure. You know what I mean? And so, um, luckily, uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who was, she was a big, um, supporter. So she helped me pretty much get, get out there. You know, her father lived in San Diego. So we stayed with him while we were looking for a place up in, in Orange County. So yeah, I was ready, man. What did you, uh, what did you major in out there? Painting and drawing, you know, actually went in as illustration. And then I kind of transferred to, to, to fine art painting and drawing just because I wanted more time with the figure. Cause it was, you know, it was more figure based, you know? Um, I mean, I vibed with, with people from different, you know, different, uh, departments anyway. So it was, it was kind of hard to make that decision of just sticking with one, but either way, you know, cause I mean, I loved illustration because, you know, because they're about getting it done, you know, and it's about being able to draw and, you know, get your shit in you know um yeah that's one thing i i kind of wished uh i would have had earlier on in, in art school uh it wasn't until like you're later on like your senior year when they when you, you're giving your presentations and you're with different different departments different disciplines and you're doing you know presenting um because you know each it's funny there's like this thing in, in art school where each they all stick with each other you know, the animation kids stick with animation and you oh, know, yeah. but I'm like little, little clicks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you could learn so much from everyone. You know what I mean? Like these guys from animation are drawing their asses off. Like, you know, fine art people need to learn to hang out with these dudes and draw as much and fill up sketchbooks as much as they are doing. You know, you could learn so much from composition from the graphic design kids and, you know, but I was cool to be able to make friends with, you know, I think I kind of just got off tangent from the question, but 
No, no, no worries. <laughs> and so as far as like living in Southern California, did you enjoy that experience? Was it, was it very different than what you had experienced in Arizona? Yeah, man, it was, it was great. It was a whole new, whole new experience. Um, it was sunny. I mean, not like meaning it was a different kind of sunny. Uh, cause you know, I come from the Valley of the sun, obviously, but the weather, the weather was amazing. You know, it's like, I could, I could bounce to the ocean, which I would spend so many times just driving by myself, going to the ocean and just sitting there, just watching the waves, you know, hypnotically. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, fortunately, I had a job to where I was able to transfer. So I was able to get a, you know, have a job when I moved. Um, I ended up settling and uh, ended up moving, living in uh, Costa Mesa. Okay. Which was awesome. And you stayed there for a couple of years, even after you graduated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up, um, I, I lived in, I lived in Southern California for about six years total. And then you moved all the way across the country to Queens. All the way <laughs> to New York. Yeah. So what, what prompted that? What motivated you to go to New York? Again, it's always, it seems like it's always a dame that kind of gets you oh. from one place to another, you know? Okay. <laughs> but it was great because, I mean, I'm so grateful for this, for these people that have crossed my paths, you know, that I've crossed paths with, you know, some of them I'm still friends with, you know, the, you know, despite how things went down, I've always kept good, you know, because it's, it's, uh, um, you know, these people get, got you somewhere, you know, everyone in your life, you know, no one gets anywhere by themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Whether good or bad. For sure. And, uh, and so I kind of, I, I liken my journey to, um, or I like to, I like to compare my journey to, uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. You know what I mean? You get all these guys in your life that kind of, that kind of help you get where you need to go, you know, and then yeah. you end up making this full circle. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I've, I've read that you, you sort of, uh, you know, associate your own experiences with that kind of story arc, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because like the hero's journey, you go off in adventures in far off lands and then ultimately come back home after learning all these new things and benefit your hometown with all the things that you've learned. Right. Which is yeah. very much exactly what you did. Right. You went to you know, Southern California all the way across the country to New York and now you're back at home. Yeah. Um, what, what sort of work were you doing in New York when you moved out there? Oh man. Uh, a lot of just experiencing a lot of um, artwork wise. I was really just trying to, find my voice i mean i guess you're always trying to do that but it's you know it's a time where you're out of art school you know and and that's that's where a lot of the discipline comes in because you're kind of thrown into the fire it's like you know a lot of people stop making art because you know you got to make up your own assignments you know and so being being in that environment being in, in a city environment that i never experienced before i soaked it up like you know the moment you walk out of your door in new york it's you're engulfed in it you know what I mean? And just walking down the street, just being, you know, being in the veins of, of a city like that helped feed my work. Um, mm. I was, uh, I worked for, um, I actually, I was full time for a little bit. I don't know you could say full time. I didn't have a job for a little bit. I guess you could say when I first moved there, I was just making art. And then, um, fortunately one of the galleries that I worked at, uh, an artist that was represent had representation, um, in new york are the, the people that rep them because he was a, an artist from spain um i ended up contacting them haven't had an interview and and um just worked for them part-time they worked um they had a publishing company for children's books 
and they also had um, also worked in the fine art in the fine art field, kind of as a, as a wholesaler, as a middleman. And so they ran it out of their, out of their loft on 19th and Park, which was a, an amazing experience. You know, you there's like a little section where they had their office and they had cats and it had these humongous <laughs> windows and it was just, you know, just north of Union Square. And it was, it was awesome. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I got paid under the table. It was cash every week, <laughs> you know? And I'm sure that that was an even bigger difference in your like life experience. I mean, you, you grew up in Arizona, Southern California arguably has somewhat similar climate. At least you have the, the sun and the heat and, and mm-hmm. you, now you're going up to New York where it's snow and it's like totally different. Right. Oh, and a big, oh, huge man. city yeah. that you're now right in the middle of. So oh, yeah. how did you, was that a difficult to adjust to? Oh God. Yeah, man. I, it honestly took me about two years just to feel comfortable, like, mm to feel like you were in it. You know what I mean? To be able to get out of the, take the trains and, and, you know, come out, come out on the street and know which direction was North, you know, Southeast. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I mean, just to be able to experience four seasons was so cool. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, think, cause you know, in Arizona, it's like nice, hot as balls and then nice. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think Southern California is like that too. You know, it's like nice and then you, it's like foggy and then it's just nice. But yeah, it's like, it is Gotham city. Like it really is like how they had, they portray it on TV. You know, like, you know what I mean? And it's cool. I learned, to, I learned that the things I loved about it, I hated about it. And the things I hated about it, I loved about it. You know what I mean? It's a New York is a complete love, hate relationship. You know, it's a hustle. It's, it's what I needed. You know, it's, yeah, it it was cool. Um, it was amazing on how living in, in, uh, Southern California, my work was really dark, um, real figuratively, you know, working in in a lot of grays, blacks, white, you know, Mm. and then I moved to New York and then that's when I start to introduce a lot of color to my work. So I like the opposite, you know, I go to a darker city and then I start introducing color. Maybe it's subconsciously it kind of fed into the, uh, into, into the environment, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of a counterbalance to what you were yeah. experiencing around you. Right? Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. Yeah. So how did you end up going back to Arizona? Cause you spent about around six years also in mm-hmm. Queens and then you moved back home where you are now. Yeah. Um, what led you back to Arizona? Um, again, <laughs> <laughs> there's a theme here. I'm detecting a theme. <laughs> but living in New York, uh, I guess say I got uh, hitched and ditched, if you will. Like you know, <laughs> I got you know, I got married. I got I experienced marriage. I experienced divorce. You know, which was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. You know, uh, being able to f- feed all that energy into making work. I think that's where so much of my work grew. You know, and then being on my own in New York was oh. Uh, it was scary as hell and it was amazing. You know what I mean? It was cool. Wow. So, um, so I'm living there on, on my own for a while. And then I reconnect with a friend of mine that we were almost like best. We were like best friends that I've known since seventh grade. And, uh, I never had a social media at the time, MySpace, and actually Facebook just started. And a friend of mine was like, you should get on Facebook. And I thought I'd, 
you know, what use do I have on there? Like, I'm, <laughs> no, it's that's dumb. So I, I, you know, I get in, I get it on there, and and uh, I'm like, well, okay, what do you do now? This is boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I ended up looking up uh, an old friend of mine that we did not have contact for about over six years, I, I guess. And come to find out, she found out that I was that I was uh, that when I got married, and she was invited, and she was kind of pissed. Uh-oh. But uh, yeah, she was in she was in San Diego. So, anyways, long story short, um, we reconnected. Um, we both kind of had uh, relationships that were kind of in the dumps, and you know, we were doing our own thing. We met up back in Arizona for the holidays, and it was cool. It was like a reunion. You know, we met up at a brewery that that's at Four Peaks in Tempe, uh, and then went back home and did our own thing. And then we just thank God for Skype. We pretty much kept in contact every night and it got to the point where we were talking. It's like, all right, either you move out here or I move out there, you know? And then I remember it was like spring in New York and I'm like, this is why you live here. <laughs> so I remember walking to work, you know, and I'm like, I was like, you, you'll, you know, I said, you've never lived in New York and this is when you can ever live out here. You know, I said, come out. So she came out, moved out. We lived together for a while. And then it was like, okay, do we want to do another winter? No, I think it's time. I think it's time to go back. So yeah, that winter, man, that'll, that'll drive you out. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause she, my wife didn't realize until she, you know, she's like, I just real. she's from, she was born in California, but grew up in Arizona. And she's like, I just realized that I'm a winter baby. She's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my birthday's in February. She's like, this is really winter. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So we ended up coming back home. And, um, the rest is history. Very cool. Um, and did your time away sort of spending time in Southern California, then New York, did when you, when you finally did come back home, did it sort of give you a greater appreciation for Arizona and sort of the, the world oh, that you up in? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I was being, I was getting a little homesick while in New York. And so my mom, uh, got me a subscription to Phoenix home and gardens. Mm. So I would just kind of flip through that, you know, and, Definitely the, thing, the things that I took for granted growing up there, you know, um, I remember coming back and just seeing how colorful the desert was again, uh, you know, um, just falling in love with the plant life. Um, as, as far as, you know, inspiration for art, but I, I remember coming back home, being gone for about almost 12 years and feeling like a tourist in your own hometown, you know, <laughs> the landscape completely changes. A lot of people you grew up with, you know, either moved away, did, you know, there's a whole new art scene. There's all this. And I was just, it was daunting just thinking, gosh, like, how am I going to get my foot back, get my foot in the door here? Yeah. You missed so much. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to see, you know, downtown Phoenix flourish and grow, mm. you know, there's all these new galleries and this and that. And I was like, I, God, I don't even know where to start, man. You know? And so. I think it's been a good since 2011, 2012 that I've been kind of trying to find my way back, back here, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, you know, at what point in your career did you start actually getting work into galleries? Was it when you were in New York? Was it after you got back home to Arizona? When did that start happening? It was a little bit of, I want to say maybe Southern California. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, um, I remember um, when I, my senior year, you know, they kind of help you 
they had this program thing where each senior could actually have a piece of artwork. They team up with different galleries. And so whatever their, their work seems appropriate, you know, they did like an art walk and your artwork could be in there and stuff. And so I remember being in, in a gallery down there in Laguna beach and the work actually sold, which is an amazing feeling, you know? Yeah. And then um, I remember in Santa Ana, um, a friend of ours, uh, him and his wife opened up a loft or they, they bought a loft and they opened it up as a little gallery space as well. And so at this time it was great because there's so many people coming up that um, it was me, my buddy, Richard Salcedo, uh, Blaine Fontana. Um, uh, gosh, so many artists, you know, that have gosh blown up since, you know, uh, we were all just, we were all just barely coming up. You know what I mean? So it was great to have that outlet. Uh, I remember doing stuff with sour harvest you know a couple group shows here and there oh wow you know yeah was that before uh, think space or oh yeah yeah it was before think space yeah okay and um and then i actually sold work here's a funny story i sold work at a gallery that i worked at in in uh in, in uh, laguna beach um it was the best it was the funniest situation so I worked, it was figure hut galleries. It was, so it was like this gallery that, you know, they did their own publishing. They had like three galleries, one in Northern California, San Diego or La Jolla, you know, San Diego and, and, uh, Laguna beach. So I was the gallery assistant, you know, I, I shipped work. I hung work. I threw trash. I did, I did it all. You know what I mean? And so as uh, I, you know, I started kind of doing these, uh, I started, mimicking some of these paintings that I saw of like these kind of abstract landscapes and stuff. And so, um, eventually my boss, the director kind of like, she liked the work. And so, um, she gave it a try and actually I had my own plaque, you know, with my name and, and this and that, but to kind of romanticize it, they didn't tell the client that this is him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, do you want to meet the artist? He's vacuuming or, you know, he's yeah, out there throwing he's the right over there. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so we made like a great little resume and this and that. And, and it was awesome. Like I could be vacuuming or dusting and like listening to the, to the, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, listening to the, you know, the gallery reps, you know, talking to clients and selling the work. I mean, there was even times where I even installed my work in people's homes and, you know, still oh, didn't wow. say like, oh, you know, it was high as me. You know what I mean? And they didn't even know. They no, had no idea. No, not at all, man. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, what, what is your working environment like now? Like, uh, do you have a dedicated studio space away from your home or do you work at your home? How, how is your working environment? Um, currently it's away from home. Uh, it's in, it's in my mom's backyard, which is okay. the same house that I grew up in. Uh, so my mom stays in the room that I, grew up destroying and stuff so it's all <laughs> it's all painted white you know but i'm sure if you kind of chisel into those into that paint you'll see you'll see spray paint and stuff but yeah so when we moved back we ended up living in tempe and when we realized that we were going to have a son or have a baby um i was working you know at the at the house so i approached my mom about building a studio in her backyard so we built one and so um, it was convenient because I could ride my bike back and forth. And then about coming up on two years, I just bought a house in Mesa, which was my grandmother's house that I grew up in. I grew up coming to. Oh, wow. And so um, so now I live in Mesa. So, But I still go to the, um, to the studio in Tempe in my mom's house. I do have plans on building one here on site. 
but okay. you know, in due time. That's interesting. So you actually live in the house that you went to that your grandmother lived in when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, wow. I, yeah, now I'm maintaining the lawn and you know, it's now amazing. it's mine. <laughs> it's like full circle. That's right. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so as far as like your, your art style, you, you, or the, the, to the mediums that you work in, you predominantly work in acrylic on wood panel. Um, yeah. are there other mediums that you enjoy working in? I've been introducing some aerosol, uh, in, into the work, you know, and that's, that's a whole nother, you know, amazing thing. Like, I, you know, seeing that, seeing how technology of, of spray paint has come up and evolved you know like there's there's actually spray paint for graffiti for murals like what you know like (laughs) you know it's either you had you know krylon you know rust-oleum or you know true value brand or whatever you know what i mean yeah so it's amazing now to see the quality the more quote-unquote artist quality uh spray paint you know so do you do you find that they're actually different or is it just like a marketing thing you know the the consistency is weird it's it's um it's almost more chalky you know um really yeah it clogs up tips like crazy now but uh you know you can like or you know like i said it's powdery almost like you can make a really nice fade and then all of a sudden you know rub something against it or your hand and all of a sudden half of it just kind of falls off you know (laughs) so it's yeah it's fun to play with though you know it's kind of cool to kind of go back and reintroduce you know, go back to the can from what, you know, what I started with and then, and then, uh, you know, introduce it into the work again. That's really cool. Are, are there other mediums that you haven't had a chance to play with that you'd want to explore? You know, I'd like to go back and play with oils. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I think that's where I started with, you know, when I was doing the figure and everything. Um, and then when I started with acrylics, I hated acrylics and now I love <laughs> it for, <laughs> I love it for what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but what, yeah, what did you I hate like, about it? Why, why did you hate acrylics? Oh my God. It dried so quick. You know, it was, it was hard to go back into something because your paints would dry, you know, it's like, Oh gosh, how can I color match this and whatnot? And it's got such a flat plastic quality to it. But now those are the things that I love about it. I would like to go back and, and play with some casein again too. Casein is pretty fun. Yeah. I am getting back into experimenting with, uh, with printmaking too, which is okay. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. What what kind of printmaking is it like screen printing or no like um like lino cuts okay and wood blocks and stuff is that yeah. something that you had done like during school mm-hmm. yeah yeah I remember when I lived with uh, my buddy Richard Salcedo in in, uh, in Orange I remember sitting in the garage and just having a piece of wood and just cutting out a wood block and you know I didn't have a I didn't have a printer, so I just remember driving my truck over <laughs> to make prints. <laughs> you know, use what you got. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Great. I think I still have. I was like, I remember doing some prints of like some Beatles, and I think I still got them somewhere. <laughs> that's incredible. How do you uh, how do you choose the subjects for your work? So you, you work a lot with uh, desert life, whether plant life or animal life. How do you settle on what you're ultimately going to paint? I don't. I don't know. Um, I have like an arsenal of of images that either if I'm flipping through books or if I have uh, I have a file on my desktop where I just like if I see cactus or whatever I'll just take a picture you know different angles and whatnot. Mm. I'll usually find there usually will be something one thing that will kind of be a jump off point like whether it's a hedgehog cactus with the you know that's blooming or something. I'll uh, 
I'll start with that. And then um, just go from there, you know, just start adding, you know, almost like, like arranging florals, you know, just adding to it. Um, lately, it has been more with the backgrounds. I think that in kind of priming me, you know, I've, I got this bug. I kind of, I don't know if I need to get it out of me or what, but I've been doing these abstracts and these just laying down different layers and stuff, you know, because I was doing solid backgrounds for a while with just, you know, with the work. And now I'm incorporating more, more movement into the background along with the subject matter and playing with that. So do you find that um, even when pieces have birds or animals, do you find that the launching point or the starting point is still the plant life for you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you know, it's like, you think you're doing something different. You know, I remember having this conversation with Joe Soren, um, which is funny. We're driving in a van up to Flagstaff, <laughs> but anyways, we, we were, we were laughing cause we were talking on how, he was saying he'd be painting and, and all of a sudden he'd make a couple strokes and he was thinking in his head, Oh my gosh, this is, this is it, man. I'm, I've opened doors. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing something really new here. This, that, you know, and then you stand back when it's done. You're like, yeah, it looks just like my work. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm not of anything new, but, but yeah, I think is it's funny how that happens during the process where you think you're doing something really, you know, like, cause you always want to, I don't know if you want to outdo yourself, but you want to do the best you can for each piece. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And um, there's always like one little section, whether it's like, you know, three inches squared or something, one little area where you think, ah, this is going to really open doors, you know, but it's funny. <laughs> That's cool. And, and to somebody whose you know, main focus are elements of nature, do mm -hmm. you find that you're, or have you always been really good at observing the world around you? Or is it something that you had to develop or cultivate? No, I think um, going back to, you know, these stories of when I was a kid, you know, about just kind of being quiet and they said I didn't cry much and this and that. I think I've always been an observer, mm. you know, um, I was never like completely just really quiet. Wouldn't talk to anyone, you know, I was social and stuff like that, but I think my whole life I've just, I've been an observer, you know, watching people, watching things just, yeah, I'm still like that. You know, definitely I'm an observer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've described your style as artificial realism. Um, can you, I mean, I, I think, I mean, when you look at the work, that makes a lot of sense to me, but can you explain what you mean by that? Um, well, the artificiality of, of, you know, using a medium that's plastic is this, you know, it's, it's like a, there's, uh, you know, it, it, there's a plasticity to this, to this medium, you know, it, it's, you're using paint, using acrylic paint. You know, and, and you're using subject matter, you're painting subject matter in, in a way that I guess that's realistic, you know, but it's really, I don't know how to explain it, but it's not realistic, but it can be, I'm painting the essence of something that can be seen as, as realistic, but it's still in an environment that's completely not, you know, that's, that's not realistic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm adding elements, like if I want to add subtropical plants to desert plants, you know, or, or mix, uh, tropical plants with, you know, with dead things, you know, and yet they seem to be thriving in this composition. Yeah. You know, there's, they, it's, it seems believable, like, you know, they're, they're cohabitating, you know, but it's, it's completely artificial, you know? Well, you're, you also incorporate these color glitches as what mm -hmm. I've, I've seen you call them before. What, yeah. what was the origin of that? Where did that first begin? It was, it was more of, you know, when you're coming up, it's, when you're still trying to find your voice, you're doing, I was doing whatever I could to just, exp 
you know, you're trying to express yourself. You're trying to just add different things and not make it gimmicky, but you're trying to, but you obviously, you know, artists tend to, um, some will sometimes wear their influences on their sleeve. People will try to influence people or will, tr- will add elements of people that influence them into their work. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and, and I really liked that idea of like when a TV would glitch up or like, okay. you know, or you would, or when you would see, you know, you would see paintings like obviously, you know, uh, someone like Alex Konevsky that would, he would take an image and yet just blur it out, but you could still be able to read it, you know, like, or like someone like Giacometti where, you know, Alberto Giacometti, when you look at his paintings, you know, there's this, there's this certain vibrancy with it that happens. But if you try to focus on one area, it completely falls apart, Oh yeah, you know, like um, even like British painter um, Ewan Uglo, who I'm a big fan of, you know, he would leave elements of his these ticks of of measurements, which were completely intentional, you know, because he was he was really you know stickler for measurements and whatnot. But it, it became part of the piece, you know what I mean? And so it's like, how do I find my voice? How do I find you know? Um, it, it became this intentional. I try. I would try to put these glitches in, but I. You know, after a while, you you look at it and you're like, it does. It looks like so much after the fact. You know what I mean? And, and eventually, it just kind of evolved into like a language. It would be like a controlled chaos where I would add things to it as I would paint it, oh, wow. and then go back into it and take it out and go back into it. And then now it's it's almost by habit. It's almost it's it it works as a compositional element, but it also works as a sense of movement. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and as far as as far as like how you. Uh, create your compositions i've you've said that you you don't really put a ton of upfront thought towards the composition but you like to just sit down and sort of embrace the spontaneity of it all and yeah and have it be more organic um which is interesting to me because a lot of a lot of the artists that i i you know talk to or am friends with are super like they labor over the plan labor over you know they'll do sketches little pencil sketches and then inks and then like tons of work goes into planning the ultimate composition whereas i feel like yours you're you're sitting down and you're embracing the spontaneity of the whole experience which is interesting yeah is that how you've always been or is it something that you sort of wanted to encourage yourself to to be better at yeah for sure it's like i don't know for me it's like if i'm going to make a composition of it you know labor over making a composition and i got it to where i wanted to get it you know it's like well why why do it again you know, it's like, it's already done. You already, you already, you already did the problem solving. Now you're just filling in the lines. You know what I mean? But, um, I, I, I have been using, um, I've, I've been stepping into the 21st century and using my computer. <laughs> uh, I've been using, a affinity photo, which is like a Photoshop, but I've been, I've been collaging, you know, super rough, you know, but on, uh, on the computer, which has really helped with the, um, um, with the process, you know, it's, it's fun to sit down at night and just kind of take some of these, these photos that I have on my computer and just cut them out and layer them. And and it's like, Whoa, like, okay, that was, that was kind of quick. Like that seemed kind of, I feel a little dirty, you know, (laughs) you cheated. (laughs) Yeah. I cheated like, Whoa, but I'm learning to embrace that. You know what I mean? Cause everything I've done has been analog, you know, completely analog. And, um, it's a great tool. Like it helps things go faster. It's like, okay, I don't need to, it's like, I don't need to prove to anyone now that, oh, you know, I'm drawing this. This is me. This is me. Like 
I'm putting this together. Like, no, you know what I mean? Like, I'll, if you want me to draw something, I'll draw it. But when it comes to, you come to a certain time where, you know, like I say, art, art is fast these days, man. You know, things, things happen at such a fast rate and, you know, this just helps with the process. What, what is your typical like workflow on a painting, you know, from blank canvas to or blank panel rather to, to a finished piece? How does it all come together? Um, usually it's a lot of kicking and screaming, getting into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I usually, uh, um, I'll usually have several, several substrates kind of at different stages, but I'll, I'll take like some canvas or if I have a panel and stuff and I'll just start throwing paint on them, you know, doing, doing something. And just start to work that. And as I'm doing that, during that process, I'm kind of looking and playing with with ideas. And I'm like, oh man, the blue on this is awesome. You know, like, you know, I'd kind of I like to play with, you know, um opposite colors too, you know what I mean? So if I have if I have a blue background, I would really like to, you know, find an, an image that has a lot of or play with something that has a lot of orange, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So that will actually be the jump off point. That will feed a lot of it. You know, so once I find that and once I kind of draw something onto the onto the panel, um, I'll usually just lock in and, and mix up a palette and uh, just start going from there. You know, just then just continue to just paint on it. Just. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes some of them will. Some of them will kind of sit in the corner for a while and then the hardest thing is going back into it, you know, you know, but um I just completed this 48 by 48 uh, for a local show called uh, chaos theory. And um, it was a painting that I started earlier this year that, you know, I slowly worked on, but it wasn't like going back to it. It was more like if I spend too much, too much time on, on a piece and if it sits there for too long, it's, it can be, it can be tough to, to re- get that hype back. You know what I mean? So I like to really kind of pound it out as much as I can as quick, not as quick as I can, but hold on to that, that, uh, I don't know that just hold on to that train of, of, of movement in that piece, I guess you could say, you know, I mean, do you, do you find that it, it's hard to get back in that mind space if if you leave something uh, on the side for a while? Yeah. Yeah. It's that's the, you said it perfect. Yeah. It's hard to get back in that mind space because then the more that it sits there, you're like, oh man you know, we, there's so much change that happens. You're like, I'm a different person from when I started this. Like my decisions are completely different. I would, I would, I'd want to approach this different now, Interesting. you know, and, and, and then you'd have to, you know, feel like you either have to go over it completely, which I've done before. I've, I've been halfway into a painting and just, <laughs> just completely wiped it out and painted over again. You know what I mean? Oh man. But I think, I think also my, my time in the studio is a bit limited now, you know, so I need to take as much, uh, take advantage as much as much as I can in there, you know. Um, there's times where I go into the studio and and I get nothing done. But if I feel like if I take out the trash or move something around, I did something. You know what I mean? For me, it's like as long as I show up, that's a good day, you know. Because I, I go um, my studio practice now is I go I go before work. Okay, like early in the morning. Yeah, so I get up. I get up at around five and then, you know, they get showered, get ready and then uh, head on over, try to spend at least a couple hours in there before work. Okay. And then after work, it's, it's dad, you're putting your dad it's hat fam- on, right? Yeah. It's family time. Yeah, exactly. 
how how do you feel that your style um has evolved throughout the, the course of your career um how do i feel it's it's evolved it's definitely evolved um there's times where it feels like i've t- i've taken steps back you know there's there's but there's it seems sometimes it feels like you know you take one step forward and then you take four steps back you know uh it's really hard to say because there's times where i'll look back at work that i did like in 2008 and go god how did i do that (laughs) you know what i mean i i couldn't do that now you know what i mean or do you think that that's do you do you think that that's real or is it more just your own self-consciousness just doubting yourself oh it's complete self-consciousness yeah yeah it's completely doubting yourself and stuff you know what i mean i mean i go through these bouts i'm sure i can vouch for a lot of artists but i mean every artist is different but there's times where i'll just there's 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 so many peaks and valleys that happen you know what i mean when when you're in it and you're you're on a grind and you're you know you're on a flow i mean that's just that's just life yeah you know what i mean and you'll you ride that wave and then you all of a sudden hit start to hit those valleys and you start to question your work mm. you start to question the the validity of it or then you think about your your invisible audience <laughs> You know, whether people will like it or not, or I shouldn't add this or I can't add this to it because people, you know, people think it's dumb or whatever. And once you start to feed into that, you just, yeah, you just got to let that go, man. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It it can, it can be deep, man. You know what I mean? And then when you see it from an outside, but when you see someone else going through it, you just say, oh, you know, just, you know, buck up. Right. Just go make a bunch of art. But when you're in it yourself, (laughs) you're just like, you know. And it's even hard sometimes just getting in the studio, you know, like it's always like, uh, you know, when they're trying to get Bugs Bunny to take a bath, you know, he's like, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, gosh, I, 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 that question, that's a, that's a big question, but I, yeah, I do, I do think that it's, it's, it's a self-conscious thing. Right on. Um, you, you mentioned that you, your, your time in the studio is in the morning before your day job. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about your, your day job at Mesa Art Center. Yeah. Um, did you start working there right when you moved back to Arizona or how did you get involved with the art center? Um, well, when I, a little history of, uh, when I moved back from, uh, from New York, uh, my wife was working, um, for the company that I was working for. She was doing, I was like a, you know, like a rep for them. So she ended up taking over my job and I was pursuing painting. And then it came to the point again where it's like, okay, I need to work. So I remember going, um, making, you know, making my resume and then just hitting the pavement and going to galleries in Scottsdale, um, walking around, handing out, uh, handing out resumes, seeing if anyone needs an art handler, you know? And I remember walking into a gallery, uh, Bonner David gallery, and I gave it to uh, the owner and she looked at it and she looked at me and she's like, aren't you Frank Gonzalez, the painter? I'm like, yeah, but I need a job. (laughs) (laughs) But what, you know, I made that contact and then, um, they, you know, they weren't looking for anyone. And then sure enough, she forwarded me an email that the Tempe center for the arts was looking for an art handler, like a preparator, you know, and because I made that connection with her and she just kind of threw it my way, I ended up getting a job at the Tempe center for the arts. Um, and, uh, from there, you know, it was, it was a city job, but, the position only allowed 19 hours. So it was only part time. And then the, the preparator that was that left there was at the Mesa art center. And my buddy Marco 
and he needed some help uh, with an install. And I was kind of hesitant because then you have because you have to go through this whole process, you know, in, in order to be, you know, you got to get fingerprinted, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I guess I was just being lazy, and I'm like, I don't want to go through all this. But luckily, I did. So I, you know, got I was um I was a temp, and so I ended up working both both places part time, and then uh, with a new baby and and all. So it was it was it was tiring. And then eventually Mesa um, hired me on full time and I've been there for five years now. Interesting. So, I mean, what, what I find interesting is um, a lot of artists when they have day jobs or, or whatever, they're a lot of times doing commercial work or creating art for other people or companies. But your day job is effectively helping to share other artists work, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. which is a totally different way of of doing a day job you know and that must feel pretty rewarding just the fact that you're helping to get other artists work out there oh man it's it's an amazing um position to be in you know um i think my position there at the museum is is it's pretty it's pretty amazing um i feel super fortunate um with the crew that i work with because there's only four of us that run that museum there's two curators me and a registrar and so as a preparator to be part of the curatorial process as well, that's kind of unheard of in a lot of institutions, you know what I mean? And so coming from the background that I come from and with the connections that I've made, the places like ThinkSpace and whatnot, and um, we're able to cross pollinate and bring some of those artists, you know, out here to the Valley. And it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Like it's super cool to be able to, on a selfish level, you know, to be able to co-curate a show and bring artists that you want to see because you can't travel and go see it somewhere else. So it's like, I'm going to make sure it gets here. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, shit, we got, you know, we had a figurative show and I was able to bring Anne Gale and, you know, Alex Konevsky and, and all these, all these amazing, amazing artists and boom, here they are, you know? So, so in addition to do, uh, working as a preparator, you're also doing curation as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that something that you enjoy? Do you enjoy that aspect of it? Oh, yeah. It's super cool. It's it's exciting, you know. It's it's um I yeah, it's it's funny. It's to it is curating, but it's mostly just it's allowed me to cold contact some of these artists or or some of the galleries they work with and to be able to use, you know, the name Mesa Contemporary Art Museum, you know, and not be just some random guys contacting and saying, Hey, I'd like to show your work. No, it's actually more professional. So I could say, Hey, you know, we love your work. We'd love to invite you to the show and actually get a response. Yeah. That's really cool. And you guys team up with, you mentioned think space, but you guys team up with a bunch of galleries around the country, which, which is interesting because not a lot of museums have that sort of a dynamic. Um, how did that start? Was it your connections with the different galleries or were they doing that even before you were, you were involved? No, they've worked with local galleries uh, before. Um, they've also they've worked with, um, you know, some some artists like certain like several artists, you know, that are from one gallery. You know, they would they'd end up working with the gallery and stuff like that. So they did that stuff like you know way before I got there. But I do remember um, because uh, ThinkSpace has such a great way of of um, kind of having this. Uh, how you'd say it but like this the way they package it you know the way they can just have like a traveling show 
you know, like in a crate, boom, like, you know, those, you know, uh, it's cool the way they got their, their thing down, man, they're killing it, you know, and, and yeah. they're great people to work with. And so I remember sitting in a meeting and saying, you know, think space, you know, does, is able to do these shows so many different places, you know, where they'll have, they'll take over and just do a whole room of 12 by 12s, you know, and then feature this artist and do this and that. I'm like, what if we brought that here? You know, like I, I just threw it on the table to see if, see if they would bite to see if it's something that, you know, um, if the people at the museum would be interested in, you know what I mean? If my colleagues would be down for something like that, you know, and, um, they were totally down for it. And since then we've, we've had such a great, great relationship, you know, it's so cool to be able to have that cross pollination. Yeah. That's amazing. And, um, what's, what's coming up next for you? What, what shows do you have coming up? Um, right now, uh, next I'm having, uh, locally, I'm going to be in a show. I got invited to the invitational, um, by uh, Ed Mel gallery. I don't know if you're familiar with Ed Mel, but he's, uh, he's pretty big time in, in the whole Western, Western art, uh, world. And I kind of, I kind of aspire to that guy. He did that whole, you know, he, he lived in New York a long time ago. He was doing art and came back and now he's, I mean, he's a staple in the Southwest. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, it's Ed fucking Mel. Like it's, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> it's great. So I, I mean that, um, and then, um, I know I'll be doing, um, just, just group shows here and there, you know, um, um, there's, I know there's the uh, Moleskin project. Um, and then I think there's some couple things at antler gallery. So yeah, there's, there's some things lined up pretty excited about. Very cool. And what, what's, uh, tell me a little bit about the recent experimentation and studies you've been doing. I, I see a lot of like rap artists coming up on your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know. Right. It's so funny. It's like, you look at my Instagram and it looks like that's all I do, you know? <laughs> so a little, uh, be, a little history behind those actually is a buddy of mine that I came up with at MCC at uh, Mesa community college. He went out to go to Chicago and him and, and a buddy of mine, uh, JT, and so, you know, we'd always meet up, you know, back in Arizona for the holidays and stuff. And he was showing me these drawings that him and JT were doing. Like they would go to the field museum and they would do these little kind of these silly, these silly little compositions with crayons, you know, but, but when you, when you really break it down, it's like, it's a, it's an amazing uh, painting exercise because you've got this completely limited palette, right? you know, and you're working with just flat flat planes of color right yeah. and yet how do you you know how do you create space create a readable image you know create a composition with it so not only are you working from observation but you're also really having to to pick and choose how you're going to work you know what i mean if something is light colored you might have to do a bright ass paint <laughs> you know what i mean so they look they, they look kind of funky but they're there's there's definitely a um there's a lesson behind it you know what i mean sure and so especially when you're using nice rag arches paper you know with with crayons <laughs> and after experimenting with those i, I kind of i took that i took it on too so they influenced me to, to do it. and then eventually learning to use carandosh or um the uh, the water soluble crayons because just because they're there's you can get more opaque with those um i i've always kind of gone back to those as just i never thought about sharing them but they were just like fun fun things to do observationally and since because of now, because of social media, you know, we can post whatever we want. Just share everything. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun to, you know, things that 
things that I enjoy, you know, things that influenced me, you know what I mean? It's like, what if I do these? Because I would always do them primarily with still lifes. And so I'm thinking, well, what if I do some of these MCs, you know, that I, that's always influenced me, you know, and you're kind of laughing, kind of chuckling, like by the time you're done looking at it, because I, you know, like I'll do old dirty bastard, you know, but it's like, <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's great. So then it's like, it just fuels the fire. Like, oh man, what else can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. You know, so then I was like, I remember doing one of Blood In, Blood Out, you know, like I love that movie. You know, I did one of Miklo. Um, I did one of Selena that I completely butchered. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's cool that it's something that you enjoy, but also sort of a challenge to yourself to work with such a limited palette and like some of the things that you said. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, simultaneously sort of a treat, but also a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's fun, man. It, it's just something. Yeah. It's, it's about having fun, you know, because sometimes in your work, when you get so used to just being on this this train you know what i mean you you need to you know w- once you get used to what you're doing you need to mix it up you, you got to do something else you know what i mean whether this is i mean i don't see this feeding into and in, it's funny like i don't want to say this is my work and this is my other work it's just for me it's just work it's just you just you know you're on this you're on this earth once you just produce what you want just make stuff exactly you know and so that's all i'm doing man trying to make as much stuff as i can before you know, before I'm in the grave. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're, we're right at the end now. So why don't you tell people where they can find you online? Uh, you could find me at frankgonzalez.net. It's Gonzalez with an S. Or you can find me on Instagram at gonzalezfrank. <laughs> Pretty simple. Um, <laughs> I'll put these all in the, uh, the, the show notes, by the way. So be able to get to them. Um, and there's one last question and somebody, something that I want to ask everybody uh, that I have on the show, who is one artist that you'd like to see me try and have on the show? Oh man. One artist I'd like to see you have obviously alive. Um, oh man. You know what? I would love for you to either. Oh man. One. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold you to that, but <laughs> <laughs> see, look at this is like, this is like curating. So it's cool. So it's like, now that you have this platform, it's like, who can I invite to this? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I think Alex Gray would be cool, man. Alex Gray would be, would be really cool. Um, Robert Williams would be badass. You know, that guy's got stories, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right, man. Well, thank you a ton for coming on the show. Seriously, I'm really grateful that you took the time to come on and it's, it's been great having you on. Oh, man. Thanks for having me, man. Man, for sure. Thank you so much, dude. So that's it for this episode of Art Affairs. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Frank. Uh, I really like the way that he relates his life with Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Um, I looked into that quite a bit before I I did the interview because I had known that he uh, had sort of associated his life with that. And I I think it's spot on. Like if, if you know anything about what that is, so Joseph Campbell sort of identified this uh, typical story structure that he calls the hero's journey. Uh, which involves a protagonist that typically will 
travel off to far off exotic lands, go on adventures, learn all kinds of new things, really grow as a human being, and then eventually return back home to use all of those lessons that he learned to benefit the people of his hometown. Um, That's the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell described, and I think it perfectly fits with Frank's trajectory through life, you know? He, He grew up in Mesa, or Tempe rather, born in Mesa, grew up in Tempe, uh, went to art school in Southern California, lived there for six years, moved all the way across the country to New York, completely different climate, completely different life experience for another six years, learned a ton of lessons there, and then eventually um, reconnected with his sweetheart and moved back to Mesa, working at the museum there, using all of the lessons that he learned throughout his life to benefit the people of his hometown. Uh, I think that perfectly captures Frank to a T, um, and I'm really glad I was able to talk to him about it. Um, Thanks again to Frank for joining me, and thank you for checking out the show. Your support genuinely means the world to me. Feel free to shoot me an email if you have any suggestions for the show, or if there's a guest you want me to try and have on. Also, if you have any questions you'd like me to ask future guests, send those over too. I'd love to hear any and all feedback you might have for me. You can contact me through my website at artaffairspodcast.com. And like I said at the front of the show, you can also go there to check out previous episodes. You can also find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Art Affairs Podcast. And on Twitter, it's at art underscore affairs. And last but not least, if I've managed to get the show up on Apple Podcasts by the time you listen to this, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review the show. I can't tell you how much that actually helps. So until next time, be good to yourself and be good to each other. Thank you.